This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the U.S. and Canada. My name is Chelsea Regan, and welcome to the Bookmark Podcast. Today, I'll be talking to authors Austin Sigmund Broca and Emily Wimberly, who you probably know from their many hit YA romance novels, including Always Never Yours and If I'm Being Honest. Their latest book, With and Without You, is a moving story about the challenges that come with long-distance relationships and trying to find your own sense of self when you're always part of a pair. This book felt deeply personal for me, and I know it was for them, too. So I'm really looking forward to getting to hear them talk all about it. So let's get started. Hey, Emily and Austin. Thank you guys so much for chatting with me today. Thanks for having us. Hey, Chelsea. We're so excited. Great to be here. Awesome. And we always like to start off by just giving you guys uh, the opportunity to just give our listeners a brief introduction to you both and your latest book. Absolutely. I'm Austin Sigmund Broca. I'm Emily Wibberly. And we co-write YA and adult romance, uh, including Always Never Yours, If I'm Being Honest, Time of Our Lives, What's Not to Love, and With and Without You, which we are very excited to talk about today. Um, With and Without You is the story of high school seniors Patrick and Sienna, who have been in a committed relationship for several years. But privately, Sienna is done. She no longer feels the spark. Until, that is, an unexpected long-distance relationship separates them for the entirety of their senior year. Over the time and distance, Sienna has a chance to see other sides of Patrick, uh, ones that have her falling for him all over again. Yeah. It is told over their visits, over four visits over the year. And as a couple who went through four years of long distance, it is very, very close to home for us. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, sort of personally for me, I am 26. And so while I love reading YA, there are moments sometimes where I'm reading YA set in high school where I'm like, this feels a little bit maybe removed from where I am or a little bit harder to relate to. But as I was telling you guys before we started recording, I am also in a long distance relationship right now. And so this one hit very close to home. And so as I was reading it, I knew going in that you guys had yourselves been in a long distance relationship, but I think I would have known that just reading the book because it was so personal and specific to exactly how it feels to be in love with or falling in love with someone who's far away, like who you can't see whenever you want, who you have to plan these visits around and how frustrating that can be. I was really curious for you guys writing the book, your experience writing this book about a situation that, you know, you each personally had experience, but also had experience in a couple and how that informed how you told this particular story. 
Yeah. Well, firstly, when we came up with the idea, we knew we wanted to tell it just just mostly it's just on their visit. So when they are together, because for us, like that really felt like what we were kind of living towards. We were like counting those days down until we would see each other. Yeah. Yeah, So we felt like that is what long distance feels like. You're like really putting so much life into those weekends that you have together. They become kind of their own world, their little parallel daydream that you get to live when you are with your person. So that's why we wanted to structure the book in exactly the way it did. And of course, it also gave us the opportunity to explore on the page these two wonderful cities with all of their deserty joys. And as for their their romance, their relationship, uh, you know, that's that's the part that doesn't come from our own romance. There was no falling out of love and falling back in love. But hey, we knew we needed to make this a love story in a certain way. And, and honestly, it was the biggest challenge about structuring and coming up with the stories. We wanted to address a couple in a long distance relationship, how do you tell that story while making it feel like the characters are falling in love despite already being together? And so we kind of came up with the characters and the story we've got. Yeah. It kind of has that second chance romance vibe where, but there's, they haven't broken up. Like they're still, they've been together the whole time. You have those moments still of like, that you, that you really love about those kind of stories for sure. And I do think you guys captured that feeling exactly right of those moments where like it feels so magical to be together but you also know you have this ticking time clock that's happening you can't outrun it because it's gonna the end of it is gonna come and you have to like squeeze everything in i was really curious why and what research you guys did to pick austin and phoenix because i did think they were so they're such excellent places because they're so a little bit maybe off the beaten track but also cities with their own personality we on the podcast always talk about how like Sometimes YA can feel like New York and L.A. are the only two cities in the world. Maybe London, if it's got like an international flair and that's it. So, yeah, I was curious about the decision for for those two cities. Well, for Phoenix, so my my grandmother lived in Phoenix while I was growing up. So that was we were always going to Phoenix. And I feel like you either love it or hate it. And it has a reputation of being like boring and hot. And I felt like that was something Sienna looks at her life and she doesn't see the magic in it. She doesn't like she see, she wants to get out of Phoenix. She wants to experience something more exciting. She wants to get out of her boring relationship. We wanted to reflect that in her setting as well. And then, of course, over the course of the book, we show that maybe there is more to discover in Phoenix, just like there is more to discover in her boyfriend. And in herself, uh, where, whereas Austin, where Patrick goes to live, it's, it was sort of intentionally set up as the opposite. It's, it's often thought of as, as kind of an oasis of, of richness and shine and art and culture and everything exciting in the, in the middle of a, of a big flat desert. And so for Sienna, who has to deal with the degree to which she feels like her own life is, is small and stultifying and these things that other people are experiencing are rich and exciting, we wanted the other city, the place that she goes and she observes, to, to seem uh, so full of, of life, of vibrancy. And, you know, then other than that, we care very much about setting and we always focus on it in our books. And we realized we had never really done like a desert. Yeah, we really wanted to get like a cactus on the cover. So yeah. We were very excited that that did actually out. materialized. <laughs> so this is our desert book. We love it. Sunsets, cacti, tacos. It did make me want to go to both of those places like right away. It was a great destination book for sure. And we were saying too, before we started recording, huge shout out to your covers. You guys have absolutely beautiful covers. And this one was no different. Absolutely gorgeous. I loved the cactus. It really like nailed that feeling that the book had of its location, which is everything you want. 
And you guys mentioned, too, you know, this book is definitely about a long distance relationship, but I think it's also kind of equally about the difficulty of finding yourself in this journey that Sienna is kind of going on to step out of the comfortable bubble that she has been living in and allowing herself to experience new things and to find new things that excite her. I was really curious about your decision to tie that very relatable struggle, I think, at any age to the problems and difficulties that can come with a long distance relationship, because I think there are two things that I didn't necessarily think about, but go really well together in the book and kind of go hand in hand in this nice way. I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about crafting that particular journey for Sienna specifically. It's also about not just a long distance relationship, but a long term relationship. And I think that that is not something seen very often in YA, of course, because characters are young and not everyone has been in a long-term relationship, but some people have, and a lot of YA readers are older too. So we wanted to really convey some of those questions that come up, especially when you've been dating, like we were so young, maybe before you fully found yourself, you have to kind of reckon with, well, am I going to just stay the 17-year-old who first got together or I need to change too. Is there room for me to change within this relationship? And so we wanted Sienna to be interrogating that and pushing the boundaries of it and seeing that, yeah, there can be room if you ask for it. Yeah, we hope it's resonant in, in the same way that the long distance relationship storyline is. It's something that we know not every teenager or every couple experiences, but some do. And we had not written a character like that ourselves. Sienna was, you know, an, an arguably intentional contrast to the very headstrong, very self-envisioned characters in our previous books. And so we kind of went from there and worked with her dealing with, with who she was and how to find that. Yeah, I think to a certain level, it gave Sienna such a maturity to her because these are things that, like, I've definitely dealt with, but I dealt with them much later, whereas her having those realizations in high school felt, I was like, wow, you go, girl. These are big decisions. Look at you moving. And I think having that sort of long-term relationship probably helps with that, too, because it's, again, something that not a lot of people maybe experience at that age, but everyone can sort of relate to both of those feelings of, you know, the person you want to be with not being around where you need them, and also, what am I doing with my life? Those two things kind of sometimes do go hand in hand, and I really liked the pairing. But you guys also did something in the book that I really loved. As Sienna's like searching for herself, she did this thing in her head throughout the story where she kind of like tries out different ideas of different people she could be and like different groups she could be a part of and like, what would my life be like if I was fill in the blank here? It was it was just such a fun little thing happening inside her head. And it made me wonder if it was something that either of you finds yourselves doing now or, or found yourself doing at her age. I mean, not explicitly. It's a it's a pur purposeful linguistic device that we did for fun. But conceptually, absolutely, especially in high school and college. I think that one often has the feeling, you know, th throughout the years, particularly as you're as you're starting a school or starting a grade or maybe you're shifting groups of friends and you think to yourself in the back of your head, well, maybe maybe I could be like those people. Maybe that's where I would fit. And you kind of do this and you go around several cycles and, and, and oftentimes one of the blessings of adulthood is that you kind of feel like you don't have to do that anymore and you sort of kind of already know who you are. But certainly in, in high school and college, I remember doing a lot of that. And so it was just a fun stylistic device to kind of pay homage to that feeling. We were long distance in college. So a lot of her feelings are kind of our college feelings that we put down into, into high school. And yeah, that is why she does feel mature. I, I think because she, is questioning these things like a year early. I think usually we go to college or, you know, graduate and we're like, okay, I had these set 
routines and roles that everyone saw me as in high school because I grew up with these people. Everyone has known me for so long. And now I'm maybe in a new situation and I have people who don't know anything about me and I could be anyone to them. And so Sienna is trying to reinvent herself while among people that have known her her whole life. But we usually at some point in our life are going to be around a community we, we haven't known our whole life and are going to have this opportunity to either change or not. Yeah, and something I loved about her story, too, was that she saw the opportunity to find things she hadn't seen before. Like, she was still maybe in the same physical place, but she found groups of people or different opportunities that maybe had always been there or hadn't been there in the same way that she thought they were. And she really, like, puts herself out there. I don't know if she'd exactly explain it that way, but I was, like, so proud of her every time. I was like, I don't know that I've ever been brave enough to just, like, walk into something, like, the way that she does. That was really inspiring. We did it on purpose. It, she's meant to sort of see herself as a little bit of a blob and a little bit of a normie, but like the more time we spend with her, she has spunk. She has courage. Oh yeah, no, she has a ton of it. And it makes it so much fun to to watch her go through everything. I do want to talk a little bit about because this is a romance, so I do want to talk a little bit about Patrick. We gotta to get to him a little yeah, you know, a little bit. He doesn't need the whole thing. He's he's cool. I like him. But as much as this is really the story of Sienna's journey, the narrative is in her head. This is really like a two-sided story to some extent, because I do feel like there are moments where his wants and his needs have just as much weight as hers do. Like, she's not calling all the shots or running the whole show. Um, This is really a partnership between them. And I think that's always such a nice thing to see, especially in YA romance. But can it also be a little bit of a tricky line to walk as you're, like, trying to respect your heroine and, like, give her the story that you want while also taking into consideration this other person? You know, you guys are very successful YA romance authors. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you guys go about developing your love interests sort of generally, and then how you built Patrick specifically for Sienna and for this story? Yeah, that's a good question. We actually had, I remember our conversations of being like, what is Patrick's like thing? Like what, how we like try to come up with like, how do we envision him before we start writing? Like what is the voice we're going to try to give him? And we were, I think we're just like, what if he's like the perfect boy scout? He's just like perfect. Like he's so nice. And that is so hard for her because, like, she's tired of it. And that challenges her because there's no – she can't break up with him. He's perfect. But, like, she also doesn't know how to make things work between them yet. You did it. We, we did it to focus up on her own sense of existential tension because if her tiredness in the relationship and her feeling of, of, of being kind of stifled – was due to problems in him or in how he conducted himself towards her, then we could easily chalk it up to that. And it would be, we have less the sense that she was struggling with this sense of constriction for her, just her own reasons. As for how we design our love interests generally, we, we try to make them sort of the polar opposite of a key trait we want to isolate in the heroine. Sienna doesn't know what she is, and so we wanted Patrick to be a little bit of everything already. Yeah. Because innocently, he sort of takes up a lot of space. He's smart. He's charming. He's good looking. He's kind of already everything. It's sort of, we always, with our love interests, we want to, one of them represents like a thesis and one of them represents an antithesis. And our theme of the book is usually somewhere in the middle. They have to teach each other something and learn something from each other to land at, at the, what we're actually trying to communicate. Yeah. And something I really liked about Patrick too is that I think sometimes with these kind of stories, you can assume that there's going to be some sort of like, and then he rips the mask off and he's actually terrible. Like, 
or like it makes sense why she wants to break up with him because he's awful like behind closed doors and he doesn't have that like he genuinely is who he is and he knows who he is in a way that I think is is always really nice to read in in stories about kids at this age I also think it gives it what you guys were saying gives it such a nice for like the second chance romance because I have a friend who, like, hates reading second chance romances because she's like, if they broke up once, someone probably did. Like, if they're out of love, someone probably there's always some, like, contrived reason why that thing that someone did that was bad is now okay, And, like, it never feels quite right. But I feel like because this really was about what she was going through and her own feelings and the fact that, like, she was falling sort of in and out, like, she was debating how she felt about him you didn't have that like he suddenly had some big thing he had to like apologize for that we were all like I, I know what you mean for sure and, and yeah it's it's really like we wanted to challenge ourselves to do a second chance romance where the couple is together like they they haven't broken up there's no like time apart or right, or, or they're angry grudge or anything or, yeah but we just wanted to see that feeling of falling back in love with someone without any of the like sad angst yeah and i think you guys also it's nice fighting for the good guy that like it's okay to be with the good guy like you don't you don't need to find someone who feels like polar opposite to someone who's like nice to you and gets to know your family like that's okay yeah he's our little rebellion in that way (laughs) and sort of speaking of assumptions that people can have i think What's really interesting about teenage relationships and YA romance is I think there's sort of these these two ways of thinking about it where like a lot of times adults will talk about teenage relationships with this sort of expectation that they're not going to work out in the long run. That kind of like, well, this is who you're with now, but then maybe you'll go to college and or you'll go whatever on is next in your life and you'll find something different or you'll learn something about yourself. Um, This idea that like kids need this like plethora of experience before they can land on what they really want. But then on the flip side, sometimes we have a lot of, especially in YA, content that can sometimes glorify the idea of staying with your first love when that's not necessarily the right thing for you anymore. Like, well, this is who you were in love with when you were 16, so it's who you're always going to be in love with. And it's like, eh, that's not the best message either. But what I absolutely love about your book is that you guys don't really, like, pick a side in that debate. You just show how these assumptions can impact the kids that are, like, hearing them from all different sides. Sienna and Patrick very clearly have, like, heard kind of both of these um, and are trying to figure out where they land or how they can fit into what they think they need to be. I was wondering, you know, as two now adults who I I assume if if the long-distance relationship wasn't, like, always a ton of fun, was at least successful, where do you guys find yourself sort of in that discussion um, about, like, teenage relationships, long-distance, and sort of YA romance? We got together in high school, of course, so we believe of, that it is very possible. Yeah. We have lots of friends who, you know, did the long distance and got married, and we have lots of friends who did the long distance and broke up. So it's like, I think that there's no answer to that question. Yeah. It's just don't for don't write anything off one way or the other. Like, you have to just be true to yourself. Yeah, which really, at the end of the day, in this respect and in all respects, is sort of our big point in a lot of the YA we write. The one big idea we really rail against is this one that teenagers are in any way a monolith, that there is any trend you can pick out or any conclusion you can make or any prescription you can hand down. Our, our point is rather that, In almost every respect, teenagers are basically like adults. 
and trying to forecast or prescribe the way they should conduct themselves in situations like this is almost equally fruitless. For Patrick and Sienna, yeah, the whole point was to show them gauging this question from every angle so that once they reached their answer, it felt like their answer, not the answer. Yeah, I think that's such a good way to describe how it feels as they're both going through this, is it really doesn't feel like either of them, they kind of have to talk about it a little bit, but ultimately neither one of them really has like a, this is how things should be, so it's what I'm going to do. It's like, this is what I want, and that's great. Like, as long as we're both on the same page about that, that's perfect. That actually made me think about a question I was probably going to ask towards the end, but I'm, I'm curious now. Is that one of the reasons you guys continue to write romances, and do you think you'll continue to write romances as opposed to something either more towards dramatic or maybe more towards like fantasy, other elements of YA that sort of come up? Well, I mean, we we love all genres. I think that we will always want to have some kind of romance because that is such a big part of our writing relationship with each other inside writing and outside of writing. Like that is important to us as a co-authoring author team and a married couple. So it's always going to be in there. It's going to be in there, yeah. And yeah, it is part of our, uh, why it's it's so fascinating for us is because it fills our days and our career so significantly. As for writing romances and writing love stories themselves, sort of as a corollary to the to the conclusion we just made here, it's, it's kind of like Shakespearean sonnets. You can do infinite creativity inside the constraints of that one thing. And so we've found that we've been able to write six, seven independent messages and stories about the world via stories of romance. And we don't see ourselves running out. That's very good to hear. I'm sure a lot of other people will be very happy to hear that we will continue to be getting romances from you guys. I would hate to be the one that had to break that news to anybody. (laughs) I don't think people would be happy. No, that's very good to hear. And that is one of my favorite things about your books, too, is that you always know you're going to get a different story. It doesn't feel ever like Mad Libs. Okay, now the characters are named Bob and Nancy and they're like in some cities here. You know what I mean? Like you guys... Definitely every story has a different, you know, point of view and different thing it's telling us. And and I love that about your writing. And as you guys were talking about, because you guys obviously are a couple who writes together. And something else that I saw in Patrick and Sienna that I really loved was the strength of their communication. You know, they were able to have fights and disagreements, but they actually listened to each other and like were able to compromise rather than simply staying angry with each other and walking away, which in long distance is really easy to do because you get on like planes and walk away. But it's also really dangerous because then you don't see the person for <laughs> several months and it's not good. But I was just wondering for you guys as you're writing your stories, whether you think about consciously that being behavior that you feel is important to model in stories, especially stories for a young adult audience. And if you ever take inspiration from conversations that I'm sure come up between you guys, not only as a couple, but also as writing partners about communication and and sort of compromise and settling disagreements. You know, we do have some characters who are not good communicators. And I think that we <laughs> we take that. It comes from the character in the story that we're trying to tell yeah. and like how that fits into the themes and the overall architecture of the book. And because this one was a long term, long distance relationship, it was really important that they do have these really open channels of communication. They've been together for a long time, so they have to have that in place. I don't think any relationship can last without that. And also because of long distance, I mean, this is something we put into the book and, and it's true. It's just like, you don't have time to 
fight. You have to, if you are going to only be together for a weekend, you got to be good at conflict resolution. Otherwise you could spend that entire weekend fighting. Yeah. I mean, and, and the same goes for, for texting when you're apart, when, when the entire existence you have to other person is, is those words on the phone screen, you have to find a way to sort stuff out and to make that fun and make that enriching and good. We also do it just from a storytelling perspective. We find it a little bit uninteresting when disagreements can be chalked up to miscommunication or misunderstanding. And so we try instead to create fights where you can sort of see where both people are coming off and whether they're, and we know where they're both right. Again, unless the non-communication is the point, but particularly in, in Patrick and Sienna's discussions, we didn't want to waste that time on misapprehensions and, and wanted instead to get at issues that were real points of tension. Yeah, absolutely. That can be sometimes my least favorite part of a romance is when it's like this whole thing could have been solved with a two minute conversation. Yeah. Like all you had to do is tell him like a hundred pages ago and this be like there wouldn't be a book. We'd, be happy. <laughs> We'd all go home. Everyone would be happy. And there were a couple of moments in the book because there is that thing, I think, with long distance relationship, especially where like you're finally together and it suddenly feels like I now need to tell you everything all at once because you're here and I can see your reaction. And like I did have a couple of moments where I was like, please tell me they're actually going to talk. And then they immediately did. And I was like, this is great. They're talking about it. They're getting it out. This is perfect. I really do. I love the structure of the book that you guys talked about when we began, because I think it's so powerful, that feeling of like, you know, the clock is running down, but also when things don't go exactly to plan, which nothing ever does, especially when you have a time clock on it and the ability to like enjoy the time that you're with someone, even if it's not exactly what you wanted it to be. I was wondering, does that come from personal experience? I'm I'm assuming if you guys were four years long distance, you probably had plenty of those moments where like big plans you had just like completely went out the window. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, <laughs> visits, visits take on different emotional tenors. It's it it, it heightens the stakes of everything. It notches everything up. And so when it's good, it's like breathing in hundred percent oxygen, and you just your head goes blank. But when it's not, it wraps its coils around you really tight. Yeah, and like for example, I remember one of my it was like my twenty first birthday, and you came down to my college to visit. And there was like a huge blizzard and yep. he couldn't do anything. Like anything. And he didn't even have snowshoes. Like he was just I was like, flying around he was out not there. prepared. So we were just like, couldn't do anything, like any of our plans. We had to make it good, <laughs> make it fun. So yeah, it's very, it's very much from personal experience and, and it absolutely went into, we, we want readers to feel that. We want them to feel the start and feel the end and to feel that it's going to be some book time before we pick up with these people again. And I like that, too, that you filled that in with the text messages, because you're right. Text messages become wildly important in yeah. long distance. Yeah. 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 We wanted to try to capture that feeling that it's like you have these visits and without the visits, you have your phone. And that yeah. is what the relationship looks like. And this is a book like about a relationship. And we wanted to capture that rhythm. And also, like, looking back on our four years of long distance, obviously, I have a ton of memories when Austin wasn't with me, like when we were not together, but I don't really remember like feeling that separation. I know I did in the moment, but now you have this like rosy glow where you're just like, I just remember our visits were great. And then like when he wasn't there, I was just doing this other stuff. And so like we wanted the book to not just be like sad because she does, she misses him all the time because I think long distance doesn't have to be like that. Like, yes, you are going to miss them a lot, of course, but you're going to have life too. Yeah. And I think that was what, is very true is like in the moment it does hurt but then like the thing you think about when you think about the relationship is the time that you were together or the like three paragraphs you sent them in a text message that later you're like why did I write that all out that was a mistake 
So I was happy she didn't have any of the big ones of those because we've all been there. And also, there's just like little things you guys had too about how like after a visit, you look back at the last text message and it's always like logistical planning of them at the airport or something. And you're like, oh, here, the whole weekend happened without any text messages from them. It's so we're back to this. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, here we go again, which actually brings me to one of my questions. I was wondering if you guys could go back to when you were in a long, I'm sure you wouldn't want to, but if you could go back to when you were in a long distance relationship and give yourselves sort of any advice or any words of wisdom, what do you think would have been helpful to hear at that time? I know that our our freshman year of college, we were like really intense about like we had a Skype date every single night. Yeah. And then as we went on, we were like, we don't really need to do that. Like, and I think that I'd go back and be like, you don't need to do that. Like, if you want to do it, fine. But it was a little bit constricting. And everyone yeah. was just like, you're just the girl who, like, Skypes her boyfriend at 10 p.m. Like, that was, like, my identity, you know? And you don't have to set these strict rules. Yeah. And, and as and you know, sort of related to that, I would definitely tell myself to to be okay with them changing. Because it's super easy. I don't know if, if it is for everybody, but it certainly is for me to feel like any incremental change is, like, the beginning of the end is like things unraveling and it means things are not what they were. And that's not the case. And sometimes those things did change and it actually was fine. And we just like found a new rhythm and I would have spared myself a week or two or a month or two or whatever, where that change was hard. And so to say like, look, man, it's fine. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think it can feel like if you're not a hundred percent in it long distance, then you're like moving towards being out of it, which I just think is like not, true. It just can feel that way in the moment. And I also think another reason this book feels so resonant now, too, is I think a lot of people, you know, you can find yourself in a long distance relationship now when COVID numbers spike, even if the person is two towns away and usually you can go see them pretty easily. Even things like that, where it's like you're not necessarily far from them, but it feels like you're really far from them. I think that speaks to it too. And so I wanted to sort of start wrapping things up. But one question I did have is you guys also recently wrote a adult uh, romance novel, which came out very close to this one, which like, well done. I don't know how you did that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Congratulations. And so I was just really curious to know about how you guys found the difference between writing and maybe even like publishing YA versus writing and publishing adult romance story. From a character perspective, it was less different than one might think. Um, there are obviously, you're, you're talking about the particulars of lives in different ways. It's not school and college. Instead, it's like your job and you're where you're living and stuff. But, but from an emotional standpoint, we found it to be relatively similar. And that goes to sort of as we're saying that in many ways, teenagers think and assess and feel like adults. What would you say the big difference was? I don't know about the, like, it's just, more like we treat our adult books like a second coming of age. Like you, you kind of get to a point yeah. where you are now you've made some decisions and you're feeling whether those work for you anymore. Whereas in our YA, we're like making those decisions. And so it's like we assume when you're reading a YA novel that all those decisions are going to fit. And like this characters have this great arc and now mm-hmm. they know who they are for mm-hmm. the rest of the book. But mm-hmm. it's like probably Sienna is then going to like in a couple of years, maybe try something new. Like, who knows? Like, and so that would be the adult version is like, I've made these decisions. I've settled into them. Am I happy? Maybe I am. Like, you have to reevaluate that. I will say, I'm pretty darn sure there's definitely a desire for people to read the adult versions of all of your YA, (laughs) where it's like, 
10 years later. Let's see how they're doing. Oh, <laughs> we, love that. We, also, we also canonically bless people's interpretations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Definitely. And so this actually leads me to my last question I always ask, which is always kind of a shot in the dark because most people can't tell me. But do you guys know what is coming up? I mean, you've written two books in like very quick succession. So I'm hoping like a vacation is coming up next for you guys. (laughs) But do you know what we might maybe be expecting coming out next? We do have another adult book coming out in January. And that one we can't really talk about so much. But our next YA book, which comes out in a year, we can talk about, weirdly, the timelines are very different, but our next YA book is called Get Over Yourself, and it comes out in April mm-hmm. 2023, and it, do you want We love it. It's a story about two families who've gone on the same vacation together to Hawaii since the kids were young, the boy, Dean, and the girl, Kaylee, and uh, there's just one problem with this year's vacation, which is that three months ago, Kaylee and Dean dated and broke up, and now they are stuck in paradise. That sounds so good. Okay, <laughs> I definitely... I think that just got added to, like, a lot of TBR lists. <laughs> so that sounds amazing. One last question before I let you guys go. But how do you guys come up with your names? It sounds like they kind of are, like, Honestly, it's pretty form. We really just feel it out. There's no special magic. Like, sometimes we take certain reference, things that sound more all-American girl, more hipster, whatever. But for the most part, we are not, like, looking from any secret code at X. We just kind of say them until they feel right. I love that. It was the way you said Casey and Dean. I was like, I feel like they get get really specific. Although I imagine these characters then, like, start, like, having a voice of their own in your brain. And so it, like... Their names become very important. Right. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we go back and forth. But no, it's not quite right. This one should change. Thank you guys so much. This was uh, so much fun to talk to you and so much fun to read your book. I can't wait for more people to uh, get to read it. I know they're going to love it as much as, I mean, everyone has loved your previous books. And so where is a good place for our listeners to learn more about you guys and your books and to follow you on the Internet, as it were? <laughs> I'm pretty active on Instagram. My Instagram is wibs, W-I-B-B-S underscore ink, I-N-K. Uh, I am as well. And can- candidly, my socials are best found by going to Emily. Emily <laughs> me in the bio. It's my whole long name back there. We're linked in every regard. And we are we are all over the place on, on Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. And yeah, that's a good strategy to have because then everyone just has to find one of you and can find both. That's perfect. Thank you guys so much for being here. This was so much fun. It was so great to talk to you about your book. And yeah, we'll we'll have to get you guys back on when the next one comes out. I'm definitely reading it. So. Thank you. It was great to be here. Yes. Thank you so much. Of course. And thanks to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at BookmarkedYA. You can also follow Bookstacks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Plucky Bookmarks. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.